welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of our show and a new month, which is October, and some new fresh material we're excited to bring at you. Of course, we are still in the same old pandemic. Yes, that yeah. is, that's... Yeah. We are still there. Yeah, we should yes. still be thinking about the pandemic. We should still be thinking about social distancing. We should still be thinking about face coverings. We should still be thinking about getting tested. We should still be making all of these, uh, you know, calculations, I guess, based upon the uh, the needs of the community and the needs of ourselves and the people around us. I mean, it's complicated thinking, and, of course, your values play into it, and we don't always talk about that. We talk a lot about processes and stuff and how you might get from one kind of thinking to another, how you might get from questions to information to purposes to assumptions or something like that. But an important thing to keep in mind, especially when you're arguing with that really irritating person in your life uh, who seems to just always be at odds with these on these important issues mm. with your position, you, you really need to remember that they have different values and so we can just keep on running at the wall if we want but we we might want to really stop and investigate what the wall's made out of or or we do what i did last week is i go to just walk the hell out i just click unfollow (laughs) walk or that option i just clicked unfollow i was like i cannot take this Okay, look, now we all need to think about our mental health in this regard, and that's important. And sometimes, hey, if it's social media, maybe I have the wrong mix. Yeah. Right? Maybe just because someone's important in my life in one way doesn't mean they have to be important in my life every other way. I love that. Because somebody is important in my life one way, they don't need to be important. I really love some some laying down, Brian Barnes, laying down some some wisdom here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Visit my online shop to get your annual (laughs) calendar of my aphorisms. Email me directly. Uh, No, that would be fun to go back into the archives and find all these... Um, Brian Barnes turns of phrases and make a calendar. Or a drinking game. If I ever get COVID and I'm stuck at home, maybe that would be like a good project I could do in quarantine. That'd be fantastic. And then then we could split the landslide profits that are going to come out of that. Yeah, we could split. We're going to split them right down the middle. I'm just, we're putting this on tape right now. Yeah, that's fine. We're going to start the, we're we're going to start the critical thinking for everyone foundation in order to bring good humor into good thinking. I love that. Bringing good humor into good thing. You are just so full of good I've, thoughts of I've, information I've, and fra- phrases today. I'm just amazed. Now, I just really made light of COVID, but I just wanted you to say this is serious stuff, and I am really sorry for anyone who is suffering from COVID definitely. or knows someone. So definitely. We're just using a little dark humor here to help us get through this year, which is supposed to be either Brian's lowest point of happiness or he's on the upswing of happiness <laughs> it's one it's you're somewhere some on there work done i'll be on the upswing you're on the upswing well mm. you know we are halfway through your 47th year and this is oh, about Lord. when you're supposed to um either be hitting rock bottom or you've already hit rock bottom yeah boy have i hit rock bottom i gosh i really huh um I would say I've been in lower places in many, many ways. Um, I'm not sure if I ever managed to actually get to rock bottom. I may have, I may have pulled my, 
I might have pulled myself out of that particular um, nosedive. You did? I, okay. Well, maybe. Or I'm deluding. Or you could still be zooming there right or now. Or I'm deluding myself and I'm still headed for the bottom. Exactly. It's just it's such a long trajectory just like climate change, yeah. that we can't see that we're actually headed toward entropy. Yeah, this is really... Okay, mm. so you know what? We're getting a little bit too dark and deep here. Well, it so is for everyone. It is for everyone. And and by the way, uh, my name is Patty Payette, and mm. I've been co-hosting this show with this gentleman. Dark and deep. Coming at you. <laughs> Brian Barnes. <laughs> yeah, dark and deep. Dr. Dark and deep Brian Barnes for a <laughs> couple <laughs> years now. Yeah. I can't remember if it's two or three. It's I been think it's two. three. Is it three? My no, uh, we're not past the second. All right, we're gonna have to figure that. We're, we're to close to our better. second anniversary, aren't we? I have to look it up. I yeah. got to look it up. Anyway, anyway, today's topic is um, actually something we have never done. Well, actually, that's not true. It's a while ago we did a show on logical fallacies. It's been a while. I think we are close to our third anniversary. I see. Yeah, I think so too. Jeez. October is when we launched. I just really try to stay in the um, present, Patty. <laughs> I keep bringing you back. I keep bringing. He likes to live by the seat of his pants, folks. Fly by the seat of his pants. And I keep yanking those pants back under the ground. Why are you yanking my pants with that accent? Why did you you use that that accent when you did that? I'm not even aware I did. (laughs) Play the tape! We don't have a producer. Go ahead. Maybe it's my other personality merging. (laughs) I don't know. Everyone else enjoyed it for sure. I'm baffled and a little disoriented, but it'll work out. I'm sitting down. Okay, good. So we're doing a show on logical fallacies. And before you guys switch the channel and go yawn, (laughs) yawn. I don't even know that word. Yawn. I care. I'm telling you, this is really practical. This is super practical. Especially as we're going into, and and hold on to your hats, folks. Hold on to your pants, Brian. Especially as we go into a month with four presidential debates. Yikes. Yeah, that did, that did almost knock my pants off. Yeah, that's yeah. the scariest thing Jeez. of October is the idea of four presidential debates, in that's my opinion. That's not the scariest. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no. It's up there, though, isn't it? Well, no? I mean, it's in the mix for sure. It's going to be a fun Halloween season. No yeah, question. it's going to yeah. be rough. Well, so, yeah. But fa- well, the reason why we're focusing on logical fallacies is because, one, we need to be, as thinkers, when we're not just watching a presidential debate or mm. listening or watching, but when we're in our own thinking modes and mm. when we're listening to other people or reading or mm. whatever we're doing as thinkers, yeah. that we can like catch, like like literally like catch these logical fallacies and go, whoa, 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 that is a huge error in thinking yeah. right there. And I'm not going to be manipulated by my, my emotions. I'm going to go, wow, look at that appeal to authority and i'm not buying it well i'm not buying it folks well remember before you just go off and you know stand against all authority i mean it's the appeal to inappropriate authority Ah. right because sometimes sometimes it's the right thing to do to appeal to authority right sometimes authority is appropriate like saying Governor Bashir will not let me in this not let me let you into this establishment without a mask on is I mean, that an appropriate appeal to uh, I mean, I, well, that one would be probably a little bit debatable um, under the current circumstances. I think if you took the governor's authority as stated, yeah, then then sure. Although, you know, a more direct appeal to authority might be like a judge, right? So when you're before a judge, you're in the courtroom, you're already there. <clears throat> 
it's so tough to get out if they don't want you to leave. Like at that point, you know, you're going to get some consequences, positive or negative, from the authority figure. And so that's a place where the judge judging is appropriate. The court is the place for that. Right. right? And, of course, errors happen, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying that's that's appropriate authority for that place. Now, if the judge is, you know, laying down about some dispute at Olive Garden or whatever, then I don't know. I don't know. That might be the judge out of his or her lane, mm, right? Yeah, but definitely, that happens. That happens. Yeah, but definitely if it was in a courtroom, we would yeah. say Ape- it's Obey the authority. Yeah, obey Well, authority. it's appropriate. We might it's still want to fight the power. But but that's appropriate. Okay. But that's, that's where that... Uh, that Got power it. lives, right? Got it. Authority. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we we jumped in with one a fallacy, which is appeal to authority. And oh, we should say more about it because all I did was just was just. Oh, we will. We yeah. Will. Okay. All right. But let's start with what do we even mean? Let's let's we're going to be using this book called The Thinker's Guide to Fallacies. The it's ar- a it's an uncommon word. The art of mental trickery and manipulation, and this is by Richard Paul and. Linda Elder, two of our favorite authors. Yep. And so let's let's start with this. And then I have some really interesting um, examples from recent current events that we can sort of use as good uh, fodder for the conversation. Oh, my goodness. No question. But the word fallacy, let's start with that. According to this book, the word fallacy derives from two Latin words, phallic, meaning deceptive, and phallere, to deceive. Ooh. So that, folks, that gets you right there. That helps you see logical fallacy. These are ways of using reasoning in a sort of fallacious, trickerish way, trickery, manipulative way. You can't say that Socrates would be very disappointed at the move, so Plato tells us, of using the word as part of the definition of the word. (laughs) So when you say that a fallacy is fallacious thinking, I'm still in the dark. Help me, Dr. Payne. Uh, okay. Give me a little more. Good point. Thank Good you. point. I just think I'm Plato. sure that must be some logical fallacy in itself. Well, all yeah. all thinking today is merely uh, footnotes to Plato, as we so know. So the meaning of the word fallacy found in the Oxford English Dictionary, also known as the OED to all you nerds. Nerds! Are, here it is, deception, guile, trickery, trick. Okay. So a trick. A trick. I do juggling this, tricks. No, this juggling is juggling fallacy. This is deceptiveness, aptness to mislead, unreliability. That gives us a little more right. It's aptness like aptness to mislead. Like there's a a a a, an, a a goal to manipulate involved there. Okay. okay. A deceptive or misleading argument. A sophism. Oh, so sophist. <laughs> Perform sophisms. Is that is that right? I mean, that's a way to say it. I don't know. I sophism is probably even less common a word in English than fallacy. Yeah, but never sure. Sophism. I mean, yeah, a thing that a sophist produces, the product of sophistry, can definitely be called a sophism, particularly if it is, I would say, a sort of encapsulated bit of knowledge. Okay. Right? So it's not like. A doc, you know, a whole document might not be a sophism. It might just be a paragraph or some, I mean, dare I say, a proverb. It's, it probably goes beyond that, but yeah. Okay. All right. Another another uh, definition: a delusive, a delusive notion. 
Delusive. Delusive, as in delusion. An error, especially one founded on false reasoning, also the condition of being deceived, error. So basically, it's erroneousness. It's, it's essentially... Give us your essence of this. A logical fallacy is a, a move as a, as a thinker or speaker to trick the listener into believing me despite the erroneous nature of my approach or argument. My uh, erroneous maybe is not quite word. It's like it's because it's intentionally erroneous. It's intentionally I'm trying to manipulate you. I know the word you want to use. What? What's the word? You want to use the word fallacious. <laughs> Oh, I can't use it. <laughs> I know, but but I know I that know. that's progressive. I like, know oh, that would be pretty yeah. You fine. like to see me. You like to see me squirming, trying to come up with a definition. I, I mean, you're just you're just struggling. Yeah, I, I didn't do it. Well, well, okay. Can I can I help? <laughs> I love can everything you? you've said. Can I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if we need help. It might be crystal clear right now what a fallacy. Yeah, is. Yeah. Are you? Thank is, God for the OED. Or yeah, are you like the male swooping in to like try to help the Absolutely female? Absolutely not. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. No, it's even worse. It's the logic professor <laughs> swooping oh, in. Oh, <laughs> trying to trying to help the non-logic professor. Well, the fallacy l- is a concept from Aristotle. It comes from the original body of the six books of logic. Uh, yeah, apparently I read. Look, Aristotle first formally identified them in his famous work called. Sophistical refutations, <laughs> two thousand three hundred years ago. Yeah, one of the six books of the Organon, which is um, the book of the six books of logic that were studied from Aristotle till now. Of how many have you re- read of those six? Oh, I mean, I've read parts of all the six, but I've only read two of them more totally. or less completely. Uh, okay, yeah. that's okay. You don't have your sophistic refutation. Sophistical. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, sophistic refutations is what I know the oh. title to be. I mean, I'm, okay. it's probably just a translation right. preference. But anyway, that I've read a good bit of, but I wouldn't say I'm an so expert. So he in introduced these these fallacious thinking moves yeah. and rhetorical moves. He yeah. introduced these he thousands of years ago? He did not introduce the oh, rhetorical moves. Oh, he didn't. The rhetorical moves were, were introduced by the sophists. We have, so, we have records of sophistry going back to 800 or so BCE, all the way back to the time of um, Hesiod and uh, Homer that may have written the Odiad, the, the Odiad and the Illyssi. <laughs> You know those? Those are my favorites. <laughs> when I was a child, I would spend so much time OMG. with the audience. Anyway, <laughs> maybe the comic book version. Ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, the Odyssey and the Iliad. Um, if that was an actual, you know, dude or whatever who did that. But anyway, that I don't want to get into that thing here. It's a whole other show. Whole other thing. Um, but at any rate, uh, sophists were offering group classes, essentially, and then private classes to wealthy uh, Greek folks or people in the northern and northeastern Mediterranean area over into Asia Minor. There were sophists all over that area from uh, eight, more or less 800 BCE forward that we know about, and they were doing all this stuff orally. So it was a lot of ri- ri- rhetorical stuff. Like, how can I, how can you. Oh, like how to win an argument. At, well, like sway people's emotions. Absolutely. Basically? Yeah. And all the dirty tricks. I mean, everything, whatever worked. 
Like, the stuff that Trump does now is, like, was done back in, oh, you know. Oh, my goodness. Everything's identifiable. Every single move that every politician makes is, is absolutely identifiable, right? I mean, sophistry is, is Wow, definitely, that's old. That is that's that's old, old stuff. stuff. Socrates was opposing sophistry. It was Socrates' opposition to sophistry that got him killed, that got him such a reputation for truth. We actually, in critical thinking, we often talk about um, sophistry as set up opposing Socratic thinking. Right, so which is because Socratic thinking is trying to get at the truth, right? Whereas sophistic thinking is trying to win the argument. Yeah, or at least to make myself look as good as possible, even if I can't win. As ah. long as I and my side come out better than we went in, that's really what the sophist is asked. Or of course, the sophist might also might also want to win outright, etc. But the sophist never wants to give themselves a, dif- a disadvantage, even if that disadvantage is oriented toward truth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so today's show is to point out and unpack some of these sophistic moves, the logical fallacy, some of these things that, again, maybe are working, quote unquote, on you, mm-hmm. someone else is using on you, and you're not even aware, like, oh my gosh, I just, I just fell victim to the bandwagon effect, right? And everybody's doing this in my neighborhood. So I just, I signed the petition because everybody else was doing it. Oh, sure. man, sure. I didn't realize that, oh, oh, that was a logical fallacy that I just fell victim to. Oh, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, the the other thing I think that's also useful is to have it pointed out to you what some of these fallacies are because you might be doing them and not knowing. So you might not, yes. you might not only be the victim, but you might be the person who, who is mm. maybe expressing uh, some kind of authority that's inappropriate, for example. Yeah, maybe you're throwing out a red herring when you're having a disagreement with a loved one. And oh, I hope, like, I hope we don't do red herrings um, uh, unintentionally. It could be the case, but oh my goodness, if you have that habit, you got to break it. I mean, that, yeah. that's a that's a killer for conversations generally. There's just that someone would change the subject and go off on an unrelated tangent constantly. Although, what am I saying? I know people who do it. Maybe that's what this whole show is. <laughs> my goodness gracious. This one whole need to be show, maybe we should, red herrings are for everyone. <laughs> red herrings are for everyone. Just look out. Let me say one more thing about kind of the history of this fallacy thing. From, Please. From Aristotle's point of view, a fallacy is a pattern in reasoning that's flawed. But the error is not based in just, um, the flaw, I should say, is not based in simple error. So it's not just that, like, one of the pieces of evidence that we thought was true is actually false. Because we can point out how reasoning would fall apart. Right. Right? If I thought I had two things and I thought I had two other things over here, so I tell people I got four things and then I go and I look and it look, ah, look, I only got the one thing over here. So now I actually have three things. I didn't present some kind of fallacy or some kind of manipulation if, if, I, if I was being well, genuine. If it was an honest mistake. It was just a basically. mistake. Yeah, so we wouldn't call that, even if we could identify that as like the mathematical error or whatever the hell, give a name to it, we still wouldn't call it a fallacy because it, it's just error. Got it. These okay. are something other than error, although sometimes they also contain error. Well, and the other thing is sometimes we use them not realizing. For sure. Right? We're trying to appeal to people's so, emotions right. to 
sway them to our point of view, but we're not going, man, I am just using this, watch me use this logical fallacy on Brian, right? They're not, they're not, right? right? They're, right. You might be using it in, in unconsciously right. because you just want this person to see your point of view. Well, right. or you might be using it unconsciously because you always have, because right. that's what your parents did to you, and that's what your friends do to you, and that's what right. um, your coworkers do to you. And we, one of the things that is important, maybe, about the thinking that goes on with the show is that all of us should make a decision regarding what we think is the importance of evidence in our lives and in our reasoning, as opposed to other ways of getting at truth or getting at knowledge. I mean, truth is such a slippery word, right? But when we talk about critical thinking, it's critical because it's about criteria. It's about having standards and about applying those standards. And so to what extent do you have standards and are standards necessary for you to feel good about the thinking you've done as opposed to, I don't really use any standards. It's just kind of how my stomach feels. <laughs> I don't use any standards except what I think that maybe my dead relative would have thought. Mm. And, of course, I can't ask them well. And if you think you're asking them well, I have other questions right. for sure. And I want you to reach out to me at Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook. In fact, everyone should do that just if you, if yeah, you want. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We would love to hear Your from you. Your favorite logical fallacy. Okay, so so let's dive in right now and talk about some different one, different right. examples. Yep. Now, again, folks, part of the reason we're sharing this with you is because we're entering into these presidential debates, which, by the way, I probably am not going to watch because I... Um, you have to speak up. There's a microphone. Okay. Because, um, 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 because of my blood pressure. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? Because gonna, it gonna, upsets me so much. You're going to pop <laughs> watching those two go me. at it, huh? Okay. So, but no, right. I, I bring this meditate, up because meditate I bring this up because years ago when we were, uh, Brian and I were part of this group uh, here at, at uh, U of L doing this critical thinking work for many, many years. There was a professor, Muffy Sinclair, from communication. Okay, sure. I don't know that she's still teaching in communication, Got but me. Muffy actually it was a it was election season and she had her students watch debates and identify because yeah. she teaches communication uh -huh. where how oh did you see what what logical fallacy was obama or bush or whatever like she would she would and and i thought that was so brilliant that was a wonderful way so we're going to share some and some examples and ask you all to be thinking of being on the alert for these that's as terrific a thinker. Okay? okay great let's <clears throat> just start with the red herring since we already we already mentioned that one can we start with that one i think we can okay yeah. so this oh by the way this article um uh how this is called uh this book we already mentioned but i'm also referring to this article how trump buried the national debate with logical fallacies mm -hmm. this is um this is looking at some of his issues from his presidency yeah and you know what i have to look up the the website that we got it from um uh, I will before we before we sign off. But, oh, sure. So we can appropriately give credit where credit is due. Well, sure. And let me say something about that, too, just because I like to make sure that people know <clears throat> that we're going to talk about certain approaches to critical thinking and to this uh, fallacy material. I mean, look, Aristotle is foundational. Like, if you talk about Aristotle, that's not really in debate. Um, people have come up with modern fallacies, for sure. Interesting. But, but those modern fallacies don't negate or really improve upon the ancient ones that were identified, at least not in their foundational forms. I mean, you can always elaborate, right, for different okay. contexts. So 
The other stuff, though, any other approaches like the Paul Elder approach or whatever or some other um, theorist who we might mention uh, with regard to this material, it's just it's part of a critical thinking community. And there really is a, a, a field of critical thinking. Uh, it's multidisciplinary. Uh, my opinion is it's sort of anchored in philosophy. Some people would say it's anchored in mm. psychology. Um, some people would want to put it in sort of um, uh, an education uh, area. Um, but at any rate, uh, that's one of the reasons why it's multidisciplinary and also because it can be applied everywhere. We're talking about this stuff, but you might find all kinds of stuff that qualifies as critical thinking. Unfortunately, of course, some of it is trash, and so that makes mm, it a little challenging yeah, that's one of sometimes. Brian's favorite words. Because there's so much of it. You might I as know. Well. I mean, I'm, I'm like, actually, actually, I do use a lot of different words for it. I'm, I'm like, um, yeah, tra- you know, trash is the one you use on the show. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, in my mind, I'm, I'm like an Inuit with snow. I mean, I have... <laughs> I have a multiplicity of categories. I don't share them all. We don't. We already have a lot of vocabulary on this. Oh, show. I want to see how many we use today. Okay, oh, yeah. make a quiz. We'll all go. right, we'll go. So the red herring fallacy. This fallacy is when your opponent distracts from the topic at hand to something seemingly related. Mm. For example, if a politician is asked about their voting record on raising taxes, he or she might respond with how important it is to put money into education. Sure. While there certainly is overlap between the issues, the answer does not really address the question. This tactic is a favorite among virtually all politicians as they often shift the discussion towards something for which they have prescripted answers, also known, which my husband sometimes identifies as the bob and weave. The Mm. bob and weave, right? I'm not going to answer your question. You hear this on interviews with politicians all the time. This yeah, is, yeah, you know? and, and I'd say, I mean, I'll I'll leave the bob and weave analysis to you, but I will say in terms of the uh, sort of red herring as it's set up here with the shifting direction from the original topic, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that's done so often in speeches is because it makes the listener associate the two things. Right. So if you do the right. if you, if you if you construct a, a convincing red herring, the listener will not notice that you change the subject, and therefore the subject has to have strong relationship to whatever you were talking about before, right. or it needs to appear even though you've changed the subject, in fact, and are are now no longer going to talk about the original thing, it needs to appear maybe that you've just, you're just elaborating on the original subject. Okay, so let me give an example. So these techniques work great. I say to you, Brian, I loaned you my car and now you're telling me that you can't find it. Is, is Is that what you're telling me? You lost my car. And then you would say... Well, I would say that I haven't lost your car. I don't think it's long enough, really, for us to say that I've lost the car because I think that losing something really isn't the appropriate way to think about it. When you lose something, you won't be able to find something. When I was young, I remember losing a watch. Do you know? Well, hold on. Just let me tell you about this watch. So it was a really nice watch. It was a Casio. And I had it at a baseball game. Well, of course. And, of course, you noticed me doing it, right? I mean, you hit me on the spot, so I don't have it prepared. But, I mean, if if it was a good red herring, right, then they would shift. And you, the the interlocutor, right, Right. the the person engaging with the other other reasoner and, and discusser here, you would pick up the conversation, the new conversation. That's when you know you have them. 
Right. If you're a so like if you said they to me, start talking about it okay, too. so if I so if Brian said to me, well, I didn't really lose it, right? That right, it's not really it lost. Really lost. So then yes. I start debating with him on yeah. the nature of the word yeah. to lost, yeah. which then takes us off the point which I don't have my car. And, but, and of course, and this is this is that's maybe, a red herring. Well, yeah, right? this is, but maybe this is a tough one because you're not going to be derailed if it's your car. Okay. Okay. That's so a good I mean, point. I mean, that, that's the thing is that if you're if you're a good sophist, you would definitely have a facility with knowing which tactics to use in which oh, situation. So, right. of course, we can create any of these in any situation. It's just that in some of them, they would be so obvious because I'm like, hey, but my car, like we can talk about this. As we walk to my car, let's. Which direction should we go to find my car? Because I want to talk about the nature of loss, and I know you do too. But I'd love to do it sitting in my car. So okay. I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if All that right. one's going to work. But but something else. But might. it's right. Okay. So yeah. here's yeah. the example they give in this article. Listen to Trump speak for 30 seconds, and he will use a red herring fallacy. That's an interesting. That's, that's an interesting statement. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Okay. Really, I think that I'd like be. to see the worksheet on that. <laughs> uh, the most recent example of this happened during Trump's Mount. Okay, so this was an article from earlier this summer. Most recent example, because we know there's been many recent examples since the Mount Rushmore speech. I'm certainly not counting them. But uh, I would imagine. Yeah. He says the most recent example of this happened during Trump's Mount Rushmore speech, in which he miscategorized the protests and riots sparked by the murder of George Floyd as a, quote, merciless campaign to wipe out our history. While it's true that monuments are being taken down, he's not addressing the real issue here, institutional racism and police brutality. Instead, he's redefining the protests and riots as something he can more easily defend against, an attack on history. So you see how he takes a topic and actually spins it to be about what he wants it to be about so the original topic never gets addressed. That's right. It's it's a subtle changing of the subject. And again, it can happen in a number of ways. I've already mentioned, um, you know, again, the, the sort of related topic change. It has to be very closely related so that people don't see that you change the subject, right? Or it can be a direct elaboration, a, a deepening, um, a, def- a redefining. I mean, all kinds of things like I was kind of playing with earlier. All kinds of um, distracting tactics can help create that intellectual shift. And again, once you have your audience, I can't believe I'm teaching sophistry on this show. My God. Um, <laughs> You're supposed to be Lord. dismantling it. Good Lord. Sophistry gets you in the most unexpected ways. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, but but the, the way to make sure that people, uh, you have them, is that they will follow you in the conversation and they will engage you in the conversation and they will, you know, I mean. They'll follow the red herring, basically. Yeah, yeah they'll follow it. And you have to actually check. <laughs> because like somebody like me will listen to you and then go, so which direction for my car? Like I mean, you know, like we're gonna. I heard going all of back, that, but right, I'm going back to the. I'm point. really not distracted by that. Right. So I mean, that's the thing is it right. it, it has to be appropriate. Right. Yep. So um, the writer says thanks to him, meaning Trump, debate about the protests and riots are no longer about racism and the behavior of the police, but now the debate has become about statues. So, so they say thanks to him. He's, that's right. he's being, you know, sarcastic. Well, that's right. And, so. when, and when we, sw- and that's the thing. And, and maybe huh, the problem with the red herring is it's all based on whether or not your audience believes that what we're discussing is a legitimate concern. Like, 
when I discuss statues as a subset of heritage and when I discuss riots of any kind or protests of any kind as an attack on heritage, this sort of amorphous thing as opposed to concrete stuff. And then I give concrete examples like statues of the the general amorphous thing, right? Then if people agree with that logic, this won't seem like a red herring. It will seem like a a very natural elaboration, yeah, an exemplification in the conversation. The problem is it is literally off the topic. It literally isn't the same topic. And so even if you're sympathetic, right, you should recognize that the topic was changed. It's still a fallacy even if I dig it. Ah, got it. Okay. All right, let's talk about this one, even though the title might be a little sexist, straw man fallacy. I love this example in here. <laughs> sexist. Yeah, okay. No, straw for sure. I mean, I mean, it's an old, it's an old, it's a medieval name. Okay. So they were sexist. They were back. European they were saying, yeah. They, my, my understanding, I wasn't there. My understanding is they were sexist as a, as a Yes, kid. my understanding is they were. Okay, so straw man fell. I love this. This is a great Does example. Does it tell you where the name came from in this thing? Is that, like, why uh, is the straw man? No, but that would be good to look that up. Oh, no, I, I know it. OED. You could just look it up in my head. Okay. <laughs> look at you. Look at you. Let me press a couple buttons. Well, that's why I was wondering. To look if, it up here. I was wondering <laughs> if, if you were saying that because there was the little story there. or no. if, oh, okay. oh, okay. Well, you could tell us briefly. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you go ahead, and I'll, All right. I'll jump in You'll later jump in and later. one sentence if, if we don't in get later. to it. Okay. So, like the name suggests, this the is when someone, <laughs> like this sexist <laughs> name suggests, this is <laughs> Okay. It's an important Stop. consideration. There must be a logical fallacy where you start laughing and the other person then begins to question the logic of their own statement because the other... What logical fallacy is when the other person starts l- laughing, which sort of undermines your own confidence? What, what logical sounds like, fallacy? Sounds like, sounds like um, uh, humor, humor gaslighting. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, humor gaslighting. Yes. Humor gaslighting. That is humor. That's a thing. Trademark. That's a thing. Okay, Okay, like the name suggests, this is when someone distorts their opponent's argument, making it seem weak so they can be easily destroyed, right? A straw, Knocking over a straw man, straw person. For example, if someone says, this is a great example, if someone says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas to accommodate non-Christians, his or her opponents might say, this is anti-Christian bias and the war on Christmas needs to stop. Clearly, the second person misinterpreted the point of saying happy holidays and changed their opponent's argument into something more easily argued against, like a war on Christmas. Despite how illogical this is, this fallacy is used every year around the holidays. Okay, now I dig, I, I, that's, that's cool. Here's the question I have for you, and I, and I yes. bet some of our listeners have this question, yes, too. Yes, please. Please explain what is the difference between the straw man fallacy and the red herring fallacy. Um, okay. So this other one than one being sexist and the other being anti-animal. Well, okay, so the red herring tries to undermine your argument by distracting you with an irrelevant point, where this one, what they do is they actually make your argument seem weak, like made of straw. So that they can easily mm-hmm. show there's flimsy and there's nothing there. So, 
I think we should clarify just a little bit. I think that that's great if we want to make that distinction. I'm just not sure that's actually all that there is to know about these fallacies is all. They may not be all there is to know, but are they? is that, is that a key difference? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. I would say that. I would say that what we have just, if we can just say those right. one more time, what 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 was the, the okay? Two so the red herring yeah. is like you picture a red fish. I'm no, gonna no, no, don't give the example. Just say what it was. What was it? What the did, red herring. Yeah. I said the difference is the red herring is brought into the conversation, to make a relevant point to distract you okay, from right. your point. Right. Whereas the strawman fallacy is finding a way to weaken and your point. Uh, so that it is shown to be right th- that there's nothing there. Okay, yeah, right? yeah, and those two features I would say for yes. sure are in there. And if you right. want to give your, I didn't, I'm sorry to cut you off. If you want to give your example, no, I was I just had, saying but. like the red fish. It's like a red herring. Think of a red fish. I'm waving a red fish in front of your face. So you go, what? Hey, where does that red fish come from? It's exactly what right? I just thought. What? Hey, don't you bring a red fish into class when you're teaching? No, I'm serious. I throw it out the door and students <laughs> chase it down the hall. <laughs> Against well, the listen, wall. this is just a little teaching moment. Let me just take a little teaching moment. Security okay? wants to talk to you. If <laughs> when you're teaching something, whether it's online or face-to-face, and you bring in a physical prop to literally, like, give a, an example of what you're talking about, you embody it in a prop, actually students... <laughs> Why are you why are you humor gaslighting me on this? <laughs> why are you humor gaslighting me? I'm this not, is I'm a just thing. It. I'm just this is a thing. Clear. Like for example, when my husband, who teaches ancient civilization, Halloween, we dressed up as like a god and goddess, and I said to him, When you're teaching ancient civilizations, you should wear that mm-hmm. costume because students will never forget for the rest of their life the day that their history professor walked in to talk about Greece dressed in this sort of as like a Greek god. Mm-hmm. And they will never forget that. And they might even remember what you're saying because you're tying your. And he's, you know what he said? No. Maybe. No. No, he said no. <laughs> Not even. No. <laughs> Because you know him. What? You know him. How could you just say no? Because he just, because he, you know, he's like, no thanks. Because, you know, he's a... Oh, he's saying he doesn't want to do it. He's not saying it wouldn't work. No, no, he said it could work. He just didn't want to do it. Ah, that I understand. Yes, I've met him. No, I get that. So red herring... I still think you should do it, Ed. I want you to... (laughs) I do, too. And we still have the costume. It's not too late, Ed. It's not too late. Now, now or if he's teaching online, I could put the costume on and walk behind him. Oh, there you go. When he's teaching online. Yeah, he could just... Totally ignore you, like just not even refer. The students would never forget that to the to the person walking through the background in costume of what he's talking about. But things like objects change and stuff. Like eventually, you're listening to him and you're like, oh, and you wander over and pick up the other thing, you know, and show. Yeah, them. and uh, students would love it. Oh, that would students be awesome. Students would love it. That would have but awesome. okay, so bring a red herring into he'd class. He'd have to remain deadpan. I'm not sure he'd be able to do that. Mm. You think? Mm, well, let's try it. <laughs> so if you're teaching the strong person fallacy bring in like one of those little <laughs> scarecrows that you can buy in the store right now uh-huh. for Halloween uh-huh. and you could just push it over you could illustrate like <laughs> why are you laughing I'm just thinking about just pushing it over at the end of my presentation just and then it falls maybe I set it on fire it goes up 
on the table. That's what happens to their argument. Okay, we have really gotten some. We have. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. I'm just enjoying it immensely. I don't know what's going on with everybody else. You can change the channel. You got a digital tuner. You just punch a couple of buttons and. Or maybe you want to listen to our else. show on Harry Frankfurt. Harry, yes. Harry Frankfurt. Okay, maybe now you need some music. Let's talk about this next one. Harry Frankfurt. And think about the visual you can provide for your students on this one. <laughs> Slippery slope. Don't, 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 fallacy. Don't combine all those things. Slippery slope fallacy. <laughs> this occurs when a person okay. claims one harmless event will lead to another and another. I don't know about harmless, though. Basically, it's when you make a claim, a snowball effect claim, right, that will lead to another ending in something horrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For example, if a person claims he or she is in favor of gay marriage, then his or her opponent might claim this would lead to people marrying their dogs. How does one situation lead to the next? It doesn't. As absurd as this sounds, this faulty argument, not to mention ridiculous in my opinion, was actually made when the Defense of Marriage Act was being debated. Sure, it's made a lot. Right. Because so when, it's not always a fallacy. Yeah. So when asked about increased background checks, Trump responded with the Democrats would, I believe, I think they would give up the Second Amendment and the people that a lot of the people that put me where I am are strong believers in the Second Amendment. And I am also. And we have I'm, this is a quote, you guys. And we have to be very careful about that. You know, they call it the slippery slope. And all of a sudden, everything is taken away. We're not going to let that happen. So interesting that he actually quote slippery slope while using a slippery slope fallacy. Well, I think it's even more interesting that I think he actually quotes slippery slope while using a straw man. Ah, good point. I think. It might be a red herring, but let me just say something about that. I mean, the way that I've always thought of the straw man is the difference in the straw man and the red herring, really, yes. is that <clears throat> the distortion can come in any way, right? I mean, whether it's a whether it weakens per se or not turning a man into straw is not really the way that I tend to think of it. That that gives you that's one way to do it. And I don't mind that. I think that that's fine. But it's they're both distractions. The yeah, straw man right. and the red hair. They're both trying to distract the other person. Right. And the difference is with the straw man, the the story that I heard about it was that it was a medieval combat tactic. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's medieval. It sounds but like something from Game of Thrones, maybe. Well, right, and I don't know. I don't know because I don't know my uh, weapon history well in Europe, so I don't know when bows became a thing that people were using. Yes, but this is relevant to the story, right? And so you'd have your army mm-hmm. out there, right? Mm-hmm. And what you would do is you'd have the en- you'd know where the enemy was, kind of far away, and they're watching. And then you set up a straw man for every man, oh. right? And then you use archers to knock down the straw men, and then it looks like the army's been obliterated. So you knock over your own straw men? Well, you do. Well, yeah, you set the straw man Inside up, a, and you oh. do the argument too. Okay, you set them up, you knock them down. Somebody else watches. If they're not paying attention, they think the real uh, man was destroyed. This can be used in all sorts of treacherous tactics, all sorts. I mean, just all, all mm. sorts of stuff. The point is, it's, it's a it's a distraction when you destroy the straw man, and then the belief is that you destroyed the real argument or the real man. So in the straw man, you return to the original. 
because there's a belief that you've actually destroyed the real argument. I see. Right. And I so see. and so and so that's that's the belief that you have going forward, right? As if you destroyed the real people. Whereas for the red herring, you think you're still on the same argument and you're just still continuing the same okay. argument. So All right. it's useful, I think, to think about the different thinking strategies because some of us find some moves more uh, easily available to us in real time than others. And, of uh, course, that's when you'd use these is when you're actually engaging in conversation. Or, 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 or watching a presidential debate, hopefully. <laughs> well, someone's engaging in conversation, Somebody I is. imagine. I think those are real. Yeah. Those people. <laughs> yeah. So... Likewise, in response to the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue, Trump said, I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas (laughs) Jefferson the week after? Maybe Thomas Jefferson. You know, you really do have to ask yourself, when does it stop? So you see In that one, I think there might be a slippery slope. Yeah, I definitely see the slippery slope there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so folks, you need to be looking for that. Can Can I give a slippery slope from my life? Please. Because, again, slippery slope for me, um, it has the reason why the first one for me wasn't really a slippery slope is that you have to have a progression. You can't just have a shift. You have to have like step by step by step going down the slope. There has to be a situation where if the slope weren't impossibly slippery to just work the metaphor to death. I'm about to do that, by the way, so pull over if you have to. <laughs> he's, and if he's going about to slip and fall on the floor to make his point. I hope I don't, but I might. So if the if the slope is sufficiently slippery, there are multiple stops along the way to the bottom, but I can't stop. I can't stop at any of them. Because it's a snowball. It's just going. Well, right? it's, and it's not, it doesn't necessarily get progressively larger like a snowball might, but it does get progressively worse okay. as you go down All to right, the bottom of the slope. What's an example? Well, when I was growing up, the example in my church was uh, dancing. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Dancing? Yeah, dancing was forbidden and it was forbidden because here are the steps, right? So you you dance. Yeah. Right? You're added once you start dancing, then you like to dance. So then you go to places where people dance and then you'll start dancing with other people and then you'll become a dancer? Sexually attracted to those people while you're dancing in their proximity and touching them and, and perspiring and doing all this athletic stuff with them. I always wondered why it didn't really happen when we were doing gym class. Or, but, you know, I digress. Anyway, the dancing thing's super bad. So that then leads to spending more time at those places. You don't dance the whole time at those places. They're socializing. And some of the socializing, socializing can lead to smoking cigarettes. Oh, right. Yeah. Smoking cigarettes because you're taking these dance breaks. People go outside. They're being cool. They're trying to impress one yeah. another. People smoking cigarettes. You try that. Once you smoke cigarettes, of course, you'll immediately be, be drawn into alcohol. Right. <laughs> and then once you're in the alcohol cigarette lifestyle and the dancing lifestyle and with the opposite sex, then sex is absolutely going to happen. And sex leads to inevitably what? STDs oh. and pregnancy. Right. And the alcohol and the cigarettes may be combined with sex. Some people out here are going, this is exactly what I heard, too. Well, but anyway, this, we'll, this we'll lead to. Sounds like your adolescence. This will lead. I like dancing. This will lead to. um, This will lead to uh, drug use, right? Hard drug use, which leads to jail time, which leads to addiction and death. 
And wow. I heard all this growing you up. Heard, no and, dancing. And did the slippery slope work for you? It didn't. I don't think it worked for Unless worked I'm a ghost. You. So far, yeah. so good. So yeah. Far? I mean, so far. I don't know. I mean, my, my parents listened to that and they went, okay, but um, maybe still dancing it in the school dance is okay. You know, or okay. So, so, so school dance was okay. Well, I mean, for them, it was like, if there's a social activity at school, I mean, psh, you know, you can go do that. But, but in some places, I mean, some people yeah. didn't have that. Well, I um, know that's a, I think that's a, that's luxury. an excellent example that many people <laughs> maybe could relate to from their own lives. Like if you study humanities or philosophy in college, that yeah. leads to getting a degree, which leads to unemployment, which <laughs> leads to living in our basement, which leads to, never getting out of the basement and oh, I can do you one better on that if you go and study philosophy in college then you'll end up rejecting traditional teachings and if you reject traditional teachings you'll end up rejecting the teachings of the church and then you'll go to hell oh wow so that's a bummer that is a bummer yeah the point about both of my examples is um, they're slippery slopes because they have multiple steps along the way and if they're in fact slippery slopes you can't stop so once you take the yes, first step they're inevitable it's inevitable that you right. will go all the way to the bottom um, with no way of, of, of stopping the downward spiral. Now, of course, sometimes there are cause and effect situations that are slippery slopes, that really are slippery slopes, right? And so it's not always fallacious. Sometimes there are right, these there situations. Right, there are consequences, right? right? And sometimes, consequences. sometimes you can't stop them. Right. It's just when you think that you can't stop them, but in fact, you know, going to the dance doesn't lead to prison, that thinking there's no way to stop that once you start that, that's fallacious. Okay, so good example, but let's revisit this whole thing about if you get rid of Robert E. Lee, then George Washington, who, you know, is next, et cetera. Sure, sure. Because that example, again, also is a little bit of a red herring, is also using red, because it sort of takes us off the point of why we would even want to get rid of a Robert E. Lee statue. Oh, yeah. Right? It, it, it yeah. misses the point. Well, we might start with some other maybe intellectual move to get us to the slippery slope, right? The slippery slope is really the mechanism that happens once we start oh, that Oh, I see reasoning. what you're saying. Right, exactly. So the slippery slope is maybe like an add-on to the fallacy. Well, it, it can be an add-on to the I'll tell you what, if you want to change using. the point, there are more, there are, there, there's a, it's a pretty dramatic way to do it. If you want to change the point and make sure people stay with you, take them down this, this horribly destructive, unstoppable nightmare of a path. Right. Like if so-and-so gets elected, then this will happen Absolutely. and this will happen. Yep. And then and there's no, there's no then, way right. these things won't right. happen. Right. Exactly. And that, I mean, That's that so. really makes it hard for people to get back to the original point if you did that fallaciously. If you did that in order to distract them. Okay. So let's talk about another one. Let's teach some more sophistry. Let's teach some more. <laughs> How about false dichotomy? You want to talk about I feel that? I like one? I'm violating a hypocritic. Can we, as we go, go ahead. What? Okay. False dichotomy. Sure. Yeah. This Very fallacy effective. is about framing the argument in a way to make it seem as if there are only two sides to choose from. For example, when a person says something like, either you're with me or against me, Absolutely. he or she is intentionally leaving out all the other options. Like maybe. You're not against me or for me. You're just trying to help me be a better thinker. Sure. Maybe that's that's what you're about. Maybe for me, this isn't about loyalty. <laughs> Maybe there's another thing to think about right. here. And so your dichotomy is actually right. irrelevant to my thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen to you, but just recognize that I wasn't thinking about that at all. Right. So that means that there must be at least one other thing to think right. about. Maybe it's accuracy. Anyway. Anyway. Um, that is, it is possible to partially agree or disagree with the person's position without having to accept or deny all of it. Okay, listen to that. That is, 
It's possible to partially agree or disagree with the person's position without having to accept or deny all of it. Trump is guilty of using this fallacy when he frames reopening the economy in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic as a choice between saving lives and saving the economy. He makes it seem as if the American people need to be willing to risk their lives to stop the country from collapsing. Okay. (laughs) Well, and false dichotomy is super helpful, especially when you don't have anyone talking back with you. Oh, like when, when you're, you're just, just tweeting out? A, yeah, when, you're, yeah, when you're making statements, whether it's a speech or a tweet or whatever, and you say, here are these two options, a lot of people are just going to jump on with you if, if what you've said is compelling, and they'll, they'll take the bait, and they'll debate those two options that you've given them, and they'll talk about that, and they won't ever talk about it. And there'll be a few people going, oh, yeah, third option, whatever. But if you get enough people going with you, and you can just lay it out there, over time, it becomes a very effective strategy. Now, if someone's right in front of you and refuses to engage because they they won't let you go forward in the conversation until we actually show that there are more than two options, right, then this is ineffective, right? Because if you can't establish that such that others will right. buy it, right? right? And so I think one thing, the one thing I saw recently um, leading up to this debate, and by the time people listen to this, I guess we'll already know how it turned out, um, was... Um, but was, remember, there's four of them. Well, just the first one, right? Right. Um, and that's uh, Trump insisting that Biden take a drug test before the debate, <laughs> right? And so it sets up, without knowing anything else about it, right? Right. That sets up a dichotomy, which is, the dichotomy is, Either you take the drug test and you show that there's nothing to hide or you refuse to take the drug test and you're hiding something about your drug use, right? Right. And so there could be a number of other issues like, you know, all that stuff that people always argue about personal privacy and freedom and all that that's supposed to be so important. I mean, since it's not required by the Constitution that we have a drug test or anything, this becomes an optional thing. And the point is, there are lots of reasons why someone might refuse to engage with that that might not have anything to do with drugs that they are or aren't taking. The conversation, just making the claim, sets up this false dichotomy that there are really only two camps on this, when in fact there may be there right. may be many, well, many camps this on this. This is where Biden needs to throw out a red herring. <laughs> a red herring? <laughs> and and like distract from the whole, oh. like, you know, um, well... I don't know if he needs to throw out a red herring. I think what he needs to do is show that this is in an irrelevant um, criteria. Absolutely. I was yeah, just joking. To, to I, I was right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So he sort of needs to. So how do you let's talk with a few minutes we have left about how you deal when some when somebody is trying to. So in the case of let's use that case with Biden and Trump, when they're when when he's using a false dichotomy. How do how do how do I then show the irrelevance of those two choices to sort of not even engage with those false dichotomies? Well, what you have to do when you when you spot fallacy is you have to call it out, which means that you can no longer engage with the content of the conversation. You have to talk about the structure of the conversation, Got it. which is a different which is a different conversation and which the other person, if they're a skilled sophist, will probably accuse you of changing the subject yourself. What you have to do is, and if you want to deal with fallacy in real time or in writing or whatever, is you have to call it out and you have to show, you have to have the evidence, which is tough in real time because you have to pay attention closely enough to have the exact, sometimes 
fallacy. That sounds tricky. Well, sometimes fallacy is complex, especially when complex points are being made and when stakes are high. And so I think that it becomes it becomes difficult sometimes to gather all the pieces that you need to show that this thinking is not only erroneous, because that's one standard you can use criteria for, just that there's some mistake in here somewhere. It's a different standard, I think, and maybe um, one that's a little bit more sophisticated to show that the thinking is fallacious, that it actually contains one of these forms that we're talking about here that is structurally designed to mislead. Because these things are relatively, I mean, either they're deeply built-in patterns that I copied from people who did them a lot in my life. Right. Or I developed them. One or the other. Either well, we're either not news, born with them. No, no, we exactly. We either so, learn to mimic mimic these or we learn to use them to manipulate Right. Others. And in some cases I might use straw men all the time because my mm. parents did. Mm, right? right. And I and and I saw them doing it with one another and I saw the arguments that ensued and I saw the way that those arguments worked out and I saw the effectiveness of using the straw man in my own life with my parents. And so now I use the straw man all the time. It's just I don't know that you call it that. And frankly, it's offensive that you would say that I'm doing something that's unfair when, in my mind, this is what you do. Hmm. I mean, some people well, will see it that some, way. They, they right. won't know it's about It's built this, in so. in their operating system. <clears throat> That's right. So, and so you so, have to call it out. Yeah. yeah. So, folks, um, if you're interested in this article that we've been sharing, I want to mention where you can find it. Oh, it's yeah. for The Happy Neuron. Oh, The Happy Neuron. The Happy Neuron. And it's called How Trump Buried the National Debate with Logical Fallacies. And um, the book, uh, again, that we mentioned was The Thinker's Guide to Fallacies, if people are interested in that. And by the way, I think I'll post on our Facebook page, there's a really nice visual um, that has, you might have seen, there's different versions of it where it has like all these fallacies in like an infographic and it describes each one. It's oh, really cool. it's really cool. Sure, we, yeah. we, uh, we've mentioned that before. Yeah, let's take a look at it. Let's so, show it to the people. So I'm interested to see how the debates go this um, month. It'll be interesting. It'll give us a lot to talk about. I hope so. I think it will. One way or the other, we'll have a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, because there'll be a lot there to analyze. A lot of claims will be made. I'm, and, I'm curious yeah. to see if there's any uh, laughing, gaslighting fallacies <laughs> going on during the debates. I am. It's guaranteed. It's going to be there. It's guaranteed. Yeah, there's no question. They'll both, they'll both do it, actually. Um, so, um, so look, folks, uh, it's going to be tough, right? But when the going gets tough and the thinking gets tough, you can always tune into this station, 106.5 FM, WFMP, LP, Forward Radio, Louisville, Kentucky. That's Social Justice Radio out of the Hayburn Building in Louisville. And uh, we are always here uh, for 20 bucks a day. You can be part of keeping us always here. But we're going uh, 24-7, 365 to bring you great programming. We hope like this show uh, at Forward Radio, but, uh, you know, a lot of other great shows as well. You should check them out. Forward Radio is something that is a community treasure, and you might think about joining up and giving us your own show because... We would love it. We would love it. And Critical Thinking and Forward Radio, they're for everyone. Even you.